2: Navigation system. Please
0: say a command.
2: On. Ignition.
1: Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce.
3: He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Yeah, it's uh, disappointing. You know, the the guy worked extremely hard to try to get... uh, get back He spent a whole bunch of his own money uh, trying everything and it just didn't didn't work out so um, hopefully we'll be able to get him back when he gets healthy you know we thought it was gonna be a one-week deal and then it was two and then it was three and then it's eight nothing else was working and we just had to uh, try something you know I love the kid I think he's a great a great kid great competitor you know it's disappointing we had him for one game but uh, you know
2: that's life uh Mike Zimmer out at Winter Park today a uh a crazy crazy day on uh, the quarterback front uh Sam Bradford who apparently underwent some kind of an arthroscopic surgery down at James Andrews uh, uh place in Birmingham on Tuesday uh goes on the IR that means 8 weeks right he could mm-hmm. only come yep. back for the 16th game maybe or No cuz this uh, is
1: week this is week 10
2: yeah, so, yeah he could, so he's somebody said he could come back for the last game for the game. playoff he could come back for the playoff, for the playoff? Yes. I thought he could come back for the last game but uh, whatever the deal is he goes on IR and Teddy Bridgewater is back and Purpleville is going nuts in anticipation luckily for Case Keenum uh, this is a road game so if he starts off by throwing an interception he won't have the whole crowd chanting for Teddy like it will be at the (laughs) Dome. Uh, If he can make it through the Rams game next week without the fans booing him off the field, Keenum, then he's got three more road games. So uh, he could, you know, this... uh, We have no idea uh, when uh, Bridgewater... They obviously are telling us Bridgewater's ready to play.
1: Yeah, and he he said that uh, Zimmer was asked... Uh, by a reporter, you know, what's your confidence level? Because he's going to dress on Sunday. What's your confidence level if Case goes down? And he said 100%, Teddy's ready to go.
2: Now, will they have the third quarterback
1: active? Today, he did say that they would just probably have the two quarterbacks active.
2: active. And and there's there's no longer the deal where you can just, you can have a third guy and play him if the other two get hurt, right? No, they changed that rule. Yeah, you got to have him on there. So anyway, here's the deal, boys. We have uh, Matthew Collar coming up uh, at about 4:40. We got Chip coming up at 4:15. We have uh, Jess Myers here for the hockey half hour, and uh, don't forget about Herm. We have Herm at 5:15. So you guys are basically useless today. Yep. So (laughs) I want your deep thoughts here. On the Vikings quarterback situation, we'll start with you, Manny. This is your chance. We we got about six minutes here for you guys to give us your deep thoughts on the quarterback situation. <laughs> Manny's
0: four deep thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater yes, and the Vikings quarterback situation. situation. Um, well, I, I think they're doing the right thing by having Keenum start mm-hmm. Sunday. I think if you if you feel like Teddy is ready to go there's i don't think there's any problem with him being activated and having him as the backup but i think until case keenum stinks up the joint there's no reason to put teddy in yet i mean just as long as you're rolling and playing well now i think eventually in a few weeks they're going to want teddy to to play which is fine but there's no need there's no reason to rush teddy out there on sunday i guess is my.
2: how much better of a quarterback is teddy bridgewater than case keenum Kyler thinks it's a huge difference. I'm not so sure.
0: It's, it, I mean, I, I, I pre-injury, pre-before Teddy's injury, I think he was worlds better. But the the thing of it is, is we just we don't know how good Teddy's going to be because we just haven't seen him play since this injury. Well, we but, don't
2: know how good Teddy's going to be because we haven't seen him in this offense. Right. Should, the theory is he'd be better in this offense than he was in the previous one. Which wanted him to throw the ball down the field, which he couldn't do.
0: I think I mean I I think it's I think it's fair to say that before the injury Teddy was much better than Keenum, but Much better just, than
2: the way Keenum's played
0: now. Right, yes. Okay. But I don't I mean the the thing is we just we just don't we don't know how Teddy's gonna look. After this injury, this is a significant injury.
1: Uh, I think that the way that this team has been constructed, what they're asking the quarterback to do is very simple, and that's just simply don't turn the ball over. And I think Case Keenum has done a great job of that, and he has saved a couple of the games, including the Bears game. They would not have won without Case Keenum. Going forward, though, I believe the head coach would love nothing more than for Teddy to come in and play. I think the general manager if you were to give him some truth here which i know he's always very uh, he comes out with a lot of information <laughs> yes i think the 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 worst case scenario has played out for the general manager in that he wanted bradford to be the guy this entire season so that he could toll teddy's contract yes, for next year at the and oh, now yeah. what's happening is all three guys will be uh not under contract on the con- upon the conclusion of this season uh but going forward Case Keenum has earned the right to be the starter until proven otherwise. Okay, the last game we mm-hmm. ever saw Teddy play.
2: Seattle, right? Well, are you talking uh, The last pre-season? game we saw him play. Oh, I don't count. Okay. Who cares? You know, who? that's like we, we get excited about Gino Toretta and, sure. and practice. The Seattle playoff game. I don't care. The Seattle playoff game. He stunk until the last drive.
1: Until the last stuck. drive of the game.
2: But he was playing a great defense and it was 20 below zero, so... That might be the reason. But he didn't make a play until the last drive. So do we True, but wait a minute. Do we have a distorted view of him?
1: I don't think so because look at remember the Sunday night game to conclude the or no, the the, the last game of the year was the Packer game, but the Sunday night game against the Giants at T C F Bank Stadium, the second to last game of the regular season, Teddy Bridgewater was
2: unbelievable that night. Mostly, he have been unbelievable the last six minutes when they've been behind, however. Yeah, but and they now, whooped the Giants' rear
1: end that day. You know, that was no contest that game.
2: So that's him at the mm. maximum. I would I can s- give you, say so. I can give you eight examples of that year where he was just as mediocre as can be. But he was also pretty good at
1: Lambo when they beat the Packers that same season in 2015, to win the division. That game
0: won them
2: the division that year. All right, I just don't know what we have here.
0: And he was also, that year as well, you remember the Denver game that they ended up losing, he was, in the second half of that game, he was about as good as the good quarterbacks in the league, and that was against a defense that ended up being the catalyst for the Broncos winning the Super Bowl that year. So I, I I think there is something there, and I think he before the injury and again I keep harping on before the injury I thought he was fine but we just the problem is is we all we're all kind of assuming that he's going to be the same Teddy Bridgewater and we just we just don't know yet we just have cuz we haven't seen him I don't
2: want him to be injury. the same Teddy Bridgewater I don't want him to be a better Teddy Bridgewater
0: the last 3 games
1: of the 2015 campaign uh the last game of the year was at Green Bay when the Vikings won 20-13. to I thought Teddy was pretty good, th- upon my memory. They beat the Giants the week before that, 49-17, and Teddy was phenomenal. The week before that, in week 15, they beat the Bears at TCF Bank Stadium, 38-17. to
2: Okay. So, Bears don't count.
1: Well, okay. but my point is, Teddy played pretty well down the stretch before that playoff game yes. to Seattle.
2: Okay. All righty. Well, we'll talk to Collar a little later, who's got uh, Teddy Fever, too. Uh, Chip Scoggins coming up next. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune sports columnist with us. Nebraska and the Gophers uh, on a cold uh, Saturday morning, 11 o'clock. You think it's a bad sign for Mike Riley that the uh, AD went on uh, uh, radio down there and did about an 18-minute endorsement of how great Scott Frost is? I heard that over the weekend.
3: (laughs) That he just lavished him with praise and then said, but we still have a football show. Yeah, Uh, it's not exactly, uh, when you're a football coach, you don't want your AD praising another
2: coach. No, did you see what they did, though? This Tanner Lee apparently has just got the great arm, but is a complete train wreck. They're ahead 24-17. to They're down, what, on the 10 or the 15 or something. They're going to go ahead and win the game, and he throws an interception again. And and then they end up, uh, Northwestern comes back and beats him. That Fitzgerald can pull some games out, man.
3: Yeah, he's a good coach. He really is. And and he's doing it with, you know, I don't say he he has average athletes, but he's probably not getting four and five star guys in there a lot. And so he's a really good coach. And um, it's just amazing uh, where Nebraska is. And, you know, maybe Scott Frost can get them to where they're at the Wisconsin level uh, because they have the great facilities. But you know, this is not 1980 anymore. No, and
2: so and what's hap- What happens if Scott Frost goes to Florida too, because it doesn't seem like they got a, well, as usual, they don't have a plan B down there. No. Well, I'm sure there's going to be panic set
3: in because yeah. the general assumption is that, you know, he's coming home and, and you know what, they better not try to lowball him because no. <laughs> if, if Florida or one of the SEC schools want them. They're going to pay top dollar. And so, they, they shouldn't assume just because he played there he wants to come back and coach there because there's going to be more advantages at other schools. And so, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he does turn it down, what the reaction is, because I'm sure the sky's falling if that happens.
2: Uh, so, Chip, uh, Manny Hill, your fellow Tennessee fan, and I yep. just decided that Les Miles should be the next coach at Tennessee. Are you in or not? Um, maybe for a year.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Les, I love, but I think he has a short shelf life. It was, uh, he would be a hoot. Um, yeah. Oh, he's just, funny. I, did you read the story that Pete Thamel went down and, uh, and, uh, Pete, I think it's Pete Thamel from, from, yeah. uh, as I went down and spent a day with, with Les and he just realized Les went to the grocery store. And they asked him if his, if his credit card had a chip, and he had no idea what they were talking about.
2: Now, where he is Les? Is he, still,
3: is he still in Louisiana? Yeah, yeah, he's down in uh, New Orleans. And so he's. It sounds like he's just miserable. Um, yeah, and he wants to heel
2: coach someplace. I don't know where. Yeah, and he, you know, it's funny. He said
3: he had a couple of interviews last year, and he, to his uh, own admission, that he sort of bombed him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't interview well, and so. You know, he's not. It's not like he's that old. Um, early sixties, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you look at his resume. I mean, he's got an impressive resume, but it's just with less. You have to put up with a lot of stuff. Well, and just
2: goofiness. Now, I don't goofiness, think he's a bad yeah. guy, but you no, know, no, 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 no. He no, can't. You know, the trouble with him going to Tennessee is he can't beat Alabama, which is... Well, uh, that's the problem. Who can, though? (laughs) Who
3: can beat Alabama? That's true. You know what? If he could beat Florida and everyone else, I would live with losing Alabama. Okay.
2: Hey, is there anything phonier than this college football playoff committee putting Georgia ahead of Alabama just so you'll talk about it, right? Just so they get people to talk about it. Obviously, Alabama is... Better than a fifty percent chance to win the national title, but let's put Georgia ahead of them and then maybe somebody will talk about it.
3: Don't you wish you could go to those committee members and say, Okay, put your money down on the yeah, Right, right. <laughs> Who are you betting on?
2: Who are you betting on here, buddy? I'm guaranteeing it's hundred percent Alabama. There's no one betting on
3: Georgia that game.
2: You think Notre Dame's I think Notre Dame's a I I uh, grew up a Notre Dame fan, you know. You had the, it was the Eleventh Commandment, and, uh, yeah. you know, down there in the Catholic Church. But uh, uh, I think they're overrated. I, I well, they're okay, but uh, this idea that well, they they belong ahead of some of these other teams. I know they only lost by one to Georgia, but they were playing in South Bend too. So
3: yeah, I think it's I don't. You know, if you look at what the exception is last week, cause they didn't win big. They were killing teams, uh, Pat. I mean, the the margin of victory was pretty uh, impressive, and I think they're getting a lot of credit for, like you said, only losing to one uh, to Georgia. And so I think that's weighing heavily, um, even though it was at home. But, you know, I look around. I, I think Clemson absolutely should be in there. Um, you know, Oklahoma, if they keep winning, is going to have a very valid argument. And so – this thing will change, you know, a lot. I'm not convinced that, that, that Notre Dame won't lose one more game. Um, but right now, I honestly, I would probably put him in the top four.
2: And uh, well, of course, the winner on Saturday night probably uh, goes right. If they if yes. they run the table after that, the winner on Saturday night is uh, is uh, is going to be in the playoffs because Miami is uh, you know they're good they're they, they're very good defensively. Uh, what how is uh, Commissioner Delaney going to take it if Wisconsin were to run the table and not make the playoff?
3: Well, he'll throw a fit, of course, mm-hmm. um, and they'll they'll you know tell you how. Difficulty the uh the big 10 is but i gotta be honest with you pat look at wisconsin's schedule i mean they have not played anyone it's been terrible i mean you know you thought early on well you beat byu byu's terrible they got two wins um they played utah state they play i mean they're just in the big 10 they haven't really played anybody and so i have no problem whatsoever with them not being in the top four even though they're undefeated and they're going to be hurt by let's say they run the table well, if they get you know and they get in the Big Ten championship, if they're playing a two-loss team, um, I'm not sure how impressive that's going to be to the committee. And so, um, you know, would they leave out an undefeated Big Ten team? Probably not. But right now, they don't deserve to be in the top four. They idols. do
2: have to go to Michigan, though, right? They...
3: Yeah. They, so they have Michigan left, and they they're at uh, they have Iowa this week. I yeah. can't remember where that game. It has to be probably. I can't imagine I was gonna have three straight home games, so I assume they're getting Iowa at home. Um, and so, you know, that if they win that one, mildly impressive based on what Iowa did last week. But I don't think they're a great team. But they do have to go to Michigan. So if you win there, and then you win the Big Ten championship game, that should be enough to get them
2: in. I would think. You want to get your house mortgage paid off? Bet on the Buckeye. Bet on to. the bet on the Buckeyes against the Spartans this weekend. Yeah, it'll cost That'll, them probably, right? That's going to be 30. <laughs> that's going to be 30. How in the hell did Iowa beat them by 30? What happened? I, I You know, having watched them the week before,
3: I oh. thought that was a very average Iowa team. Oh, I, mean, I thought they were average. worse
2: than average.
3: Yeah, and I I don't know. I mean, I watched it, and it certainly didn't look like the same Iowa team. And, it, you know, obviously the final score in the margin – it was one of those games where they just snowballed on and it just got out of control, but, um, they had to do something to get in that position. And boy, I don't know. Um, you know, Ohio state, I thought after they won the, the week before against Penn state, I said, okay, here they go. They're going to run the table and they're going to get in the playoffs and they're cooked now. Um, so, but yeah, I could imagine they'll bounce back and beat Sparty, uh, pretty handily. <laughs> Cause, uh, you're right. That, that seems like, uh, a classic. Uh, you're counting them out and they come back and, and stomp on an opponent.
2: Alright, I've tried to be even-handed and understanding with uh, <laughs> Coach Phil Fleck, but uh, let, me say, yeah, <laughs> let me say that when you... Eat, but he has been confusing to me, I'll admit. Yes. And now, apparently, I, I replayed the video of the answer to the question about criticism yesterday for mm-hmm. myself, and You say first you say it doesn't bother you because you're for and we've said that he said that repeatedly because he knows he's not for everybody. But then you say you kept all the letters criticizing you (laughs) so you could respond to them uh, when you started winning. That tells me he's not telling us the complete truth that. How about his reaction to criticism? To grow, you must fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, When
3: a uh, when a coach tells you something doesn't bother him, it bothers him. <laughs> That's right. It's, uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Patino about this uh, the other day about Twitter and how he gave up Twitter. And he said, you know, in the offseason, I read my, my mentions. And, and some of it I think is funny. I try not to let it get to me. But he gets to you. Know,
2: you <laughs> well, know, you doesn't know, he? Uh, doesn't he quit? Is he done forever, or just during the nope. season? Yeah, just during the season. He, okay, he, he, he quits during. And he of does of, he? Yeah. He makes his players quit too during the season. Yeah,
3: right? he said that he just thinks it was funny. He said there's just a lot of trolls out there, so he just thinks it's you know because you know kids, high school and college today, they, they live on social media, and and you know if you're constantly hearing how bad they are or terrible and all that, he just thinks he just that. Uh, doesn't think it's productive uh, for them. So he makes them all disengage and deactivate it. And so um, that's a good idea. Not,
2: that's a good idea. You know what?
3: It's not the worst policy. I don't think no, it's a good, damn good. idea. It's a social
2: media world. Especially when you got ju- bug juice or whatever his name is from, uh, <laughs> From New York. What's Let's his go. name? Fly
4: around and get some juice. Yeah. That, that
2: juice. What's the guy's name from Jelly New York? Roll. Jelly Roll or whatever the hell his name is. When you got Fuck him, juice. I'd keep him off Twitter if I was uh, if I was him.
3: Well, you know, especially, you know, if, if he doesn't get off to a good start, you know,
2: oh. opposing fans are going to find his Twitter Somebody account. will tease him, and then he yep. might say something. Okay, exactly. one last thing, and again, I hate to jump to conclusions, but I understand that there was much made of uh, Patino and Fleck being neighbors. Yeah, they're not neighbors sure anymore. I just heard Patino move to Edina. I got a hunch. <laughs> I know why. He didn't want to listen to that every day. Patino... <laughs> Even the basketball coach had to move out of this guy's uh, way. That's I'm not our culture that's unacceptable. 100. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just. That, I, yeah, I'm going with my theory that he moved because he couldn't stand to be living next to this guy. So they could be, or they needed a bigger house. <laughs> yeah, yeah well that, that could one have been the other. It. All right. That's well, that. I'm going with my theory, and other people <laughs> can go with theirs. So, all right, Jim. Yeah, thank good. you. Chip and Star Tribune columnist, you heard that right. I eat but difficult conversations for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I did. I and hear that. Uh, Patino says I've eaten enough conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to a diner. You stay out here in Just, Plymouth uh, or uh, whatever is. I've had enough. Patino, you know what? I I was a little critical of him when he first came here. Sure, but he's got a good team. Well, not his first. When he had the worst year in the history of going twenty-three. Yeah, but. I'm all in now. Sure. Not because he's going to have a very good team, but because he had the good taste to move away from flex neighborhoods. So I'm. uh, (laughs) I'm, uh, But he's a a bright young man, I got to say that for Patino.
1: He made a a very solid decision, is what you're saying.
2: I suppose he got sick of parking down the block. And then kind of sneaking in the back, having to walk through the neighborhood and sneak in the back, so Fleck didn't spot him, and he had to listen to him would be my guess. And then he probably got in the house and told the wife and the kids, don't turn a light's on. Yeah, don't turn a light's on. It's down. like trick-or-treaters we, on we Halloween. Don't them, we yeah. don't want them to know we're home. Yeah. Positivity is going to change his culture. How many times walls, could you hear that without moving out of the neighborhood? Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. I'd rather have a guy with rap music next to me than that. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. How many times did you play this song in the bars, Johnny? Oh, a few. We did
4: this one on occasion. <laughs> yeah. As
2: much or less than Brown Eyed Girl? No. Oh, uh, more than this was. this. There was a period in the 70s or probably the 80s where you couldn't play anything else, right? Every uh, four songs.
4: I'm not that old, Pat. No, Come on. I don't. didn't start playing in the bars until the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean, the
2: 80s, not the 70s. I meant that's why I changed it to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had second thoughts.
4: <laughs> We, we did it a few
2: times. All right. What do you got going?
4: Uh, this update sponsored by Virgin Mobile. Switching your phone service is simple with Virgin Mobile. Switch online in just minutes. Get unlimited talk, text, and data, plus great deals on iPhone. Shop now at virginmobileus.com. <laughs> the Vikings officially placing Sam Bradford on injured reserve today to make room for Teddy Bridgewater to come off the physically unable to perform list. Pop, pop list. Bradford was injured week one against New Orleans, re-aggravated the knee against the Bears when he tried to play. Uh, He has not practiced since and underwent some surgery this week. Bridgewater has been practicing since October 18th, has not been listed on the injury report during that span time. Wild continue on the road tonight. Now, Alex Stalock will not start for the Wild against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was going to be in goal, but his wife is about to give birth, so he is back in Minnesota Number one goalie, Devin Dubnik, will get the start instead. The Wilder in Toronto tonight, then they'll play in Montreal. Should have flown
2: Mom into Toronto. She could have had the baby in Canada, and then the kid would have had dual citizenship.
4: (laughs) Timberwolves in action on the West Coast tonight. Uh, Should be a a nice test for the team that's won five in a row. They take on Golden State. Although, uh, for the Warriors, they'll be without Kevin Durant. He is sitting because of a left thigh He's sitting sure. because they're
2: overconfident
4: and have no respect for us. <laughs> <laughs> Former Minneapolis North basketball star Khalid Alameen has been named an assistant coach at the school. Alameen helped lead the Polars to three straight titles from 1995 to 1997. Uh, And then you may remember, he played collegiately at Connecticut, helped lead the Huskies to a national title in 1999. He was picked in the second round by the Bulls in the 2000 NBA draft. He played most of his life professionally, though, uh, all over the world for 15 years, winning titles in Croatia, Ukraine, and Turkey. Uh, Since returning to Minneapolis, he has stayed close to youth basketball and has his own business, Elamine Training. He was pretty dang good. Yes, he was. He really was, yep.
2: All right, Johnny, we got to go because we got Collar reporting oh. on uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, you might add something good. <laughs> I guess we'll never hear. It. Didn't take long for this guy to come to town and become a dedicated Ted head. Matthew Collar can't wait to see Teddy Collar, uh, Bridgewater back as the Viking quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of people who aren't all in on Case. You're as all out on Case as anybody I know, sir. <laughs>
5: Well, I mean, I think maybe part of that is uh, looking at it with clear eyes, I think, Pat, and and Mm then studying the film, too, because, I mean, if you just look at the win and loss record for Case Keenum, you'd say, wow, he must have been pretty good. But in five out of the seven games, he really hasn't been all that good, and they've had great defensive performances to carry them. I would say he was very good in Chicago, and he was fantastic against Tampa Bay, and in the rest of the games, he has been mediocre at best. And I, I think the Ravens game would be the one I'd point to, that if Baltimore had any offense at all, that you lose that game. He throws for 188 yards and in interception. He's a, a very limited quarterback, does not have great accuracy. Sometimes he'll just throw it up for grabs. But for the most part, I think Pat Shurmur's done a great job of covering up a lot, a lot of his issues. And then every once in a while, he can make a nice play on the run like his touchdown pass Uh, over in London to Adam Thielen. But for the most part, there's a lot of limitations there. And with Teddy Bridgewater, I think – I mean, he's a first-round quarterback for a reason. He's extremely accurate. He's incredibly good at reading defenses, and I think he overcame a lot of bad circumstances on that offense in 2015 to lead them to a serviceably good defense. People look at yards, but they were 16th in scoring, and uh, you know they they were really uh, running it through Adrian Peterson all the time rather than their passing game, and I thought he actually did a good job, especially when you go back and look at the tape. So uh, if it's me, I'm trying to get Teddy Bridgewater in pretty much as soon as I feel comfortable doing that with his
2: health we have uh, do we have any idea what full health means i mean he's healthy enough to play do we think he's moving like he should uh should move i mean that was he was okay in there and, and he could move around in the pocket a little bit keenum's probably more mobile than he is so what uh what's your uh view of uh you know you guys probably haven't seen enough of him on the practice field to tell huh
5: Well, the only thing that we've seen of him really since camp when he was just working out on the side is uh, when he's been doing some things after practice uh, during the time that he was on the pup list. Um, Since then, when he's actually come back to practice, it's close to the media. And that's what makes it so difficult to figure out. If we could sit there every day and watch his progress, we could tell you how close he might be. But the fact that we're not allowed to be in there uh, during practice makes it a little bit tougher. But... Uh, I I think the the key for him really is to be able to take those two or three quick steps to evade pressure. I mean, if you remember, his left and right tackle were Matt Khalil and T.J. Clemmings in 2015, and he was masterful sometimes at avoiding the rush and finding a way to get rid of the ball. Sometimes it'd be a shovel pass or something like that, and will he be able to do that again? The fact that he'd be coming back to a better offensive line helps, but he still has to make those quick movements to evade the rush because I think that's part of his value as a quarterback is that he doesn't have the most rocket arm you've ever seen, but when a guy can extend a play and wait for his receivers or tight ends to get open on the move, I mean, that's a, that's a big value. And whether he could do that or not I think is hard to say, but I also think they wouldn't put him back in there as a starting quarterback if he couldn't make those movements
2: uh did he uh talk to people today or did Keenum, or who who addressed the uh who was the quarterback who addressed the media nobody uh the quarterback that addressed the media today was case keenum oh, okay. so uh
5: that's a that's a loose term i mean he was there and uh, people were asking him questions but uh there didn't uh, not, not too many uh, headlines came from it. Let's just put it that way i mean he had very very little to say outside of well it's just a week to week sort of thing. And he said that Bridgewater's been helping him along, which, okay, I guess. Uh, and Bridgewater is going Why to Why would Bridgewater tomorrow. be
2: helping him? He should be helping Bridgewater.
5: <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right, because he's got to come along in a new offense. Yes. Uh, but Bridgewater, has, he's been in every meeting and everything from going all the way back to OTA. So he should have a good feel for what Pat Shermer's doing. Um, but Bridgewater's going to talk tomorrow.
2: What do you, uh, you know, where do you think he, I never thought he played, let's say a scale of, I never thought he played better than C plus as a, as a totality. Uh, certainly not that high as a rookie, maybe as a, as a first year starter, uh, maybe in, uh, in uh, 2000, you know, his 15, he was, uh, he was, a. I I never put him above a C plus. You seem to have put him higher than that.
5: I think so, yeah, and I, and a, a part of my evaluation, too, of Teddy Bridgewater, of where I felt he was, is also the potential that existed there, uh, because there, there's a couple of things that he could do at a very high level, and one of them is read defenses and react, uh, go through progressions, things like that, stay cool in the pocket. The other is, down the field accuracy, and I don't mean 30, 40, 50 yards down the field, but I mean 15 to 20 yards down the field. He's exceptional, throwing guys open. I mean, this is where you see kind of the men separated from the boys with quarterbacks, where the better quarterbacks, Tom Brady's, and Drew Brees, I'm not putting Bridgewater up there, but they can do that. They can have a guy not be open and release the ball to a space where they're going to be and have them catch it and uh, there's an article that i have where i grabbed a couple of highlights of him doing that and it, it was a really impressive level that's what he did at louisville so it's something that he could continue to do i think even if he doesn't have his legs back at full strength for 2015 i think i would have probably given him a b or b plus um, because of the offense being north turner's 1992 offense i think that hurt him and the weapons too i mean. There's passes he's throwing to Rhett Ellison and Michael Pruitt and uh, Mike Wallace didn't really want to be here. And, I mean, if you're talking about that compared to this situation where you have Diggs and Thielen are both established in and in a good screen game and things like that, I, projecting him out, I think he's a franchise quarterback, but I wouldn't put him in the Drew Brees or Tom Brady category.
2: I would feel, so if Keenum plays uh, decent, they win at Washington and he's still starting, uh, I, I I don't think... I would want to put Keenum through uh, having to face the crowd in the Metrodome. If he throws an incomplete pass to start the game, they'll be booing him and asking for Teddy.
5: Yeah, I think that's probably right. And against the Rams especially, that's a really good team. They have, to me, the best defensive player in the NFL, Aaron Donald, who's just a monster in the middle. I don't care how good your offensive line has been, Aaron Donald is going to find ways to the quarterback. So that's kind of a problem. You're also going to need to score against the Rams. The Rams are averaging 33 points a game, so even as good as the Vikings defense is, it's a lot different facing this Rams offense from, say, Cleveland or Chicago or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, especially if they fell behind by two touchdowns or something, there, there would be very strong calls for Teddy Bridgewater. But I still think I, I'd like to see him wait a couple of weeks just to get Bridgewater back in these full practices and feel 100% comfortable. And I also wouldn't really want him coming back against the Rams. I don't need one of the best defensive lines in the NFL going against Teddy when he hasn't played for that long.
2: So you're willing to sacrifice poor Case Keenum and uh, let <laughs> him get booed and beat up and all that stuff uh, just so we can get Teddy back. Hey, you brought up your old pal T.J. Clemmings. Will he be starting at left tackle for the Redskins? Trent Williams is or- I, I don't know yet, but Trent Williams
5: was limited in practice today, which I think is a good sign for him playing on Sunday. I mean, he was listed as doubtful, so he wasn't even ruled out during the week last week. He didn't end up playing, but I think there's a good chance they bring him back. Uh, Everson Griffin is dinged up, too, and my guess would be that Griffin does end up uh, playing. He has, he's got a foot injury, but if Griffin faces T.J. Clemmings, I mean, Kirk Cousins may not survive. <laughs> I, I watch I watched a little bit of that last week, and Dwight Freeney, who's older than you are, he was getting to the quarterback like he was 21 again. He was just flying by T.J. Clemmings. I can't believe the guy is still in the NFL, much less ever ended up into a game. So I think that Washington will do everything they can to get Trent Williams back on the field.
2: Now, there's been no bigger supporter of you in the Twin Cities than me, and yet, you slip in a cheap shot about me being old. I'm very, I'm very offended by that because I'm not the kind of guy to take that extra cheap shot at somebody when the opportunity no, arises. No, not you, not me, not me at all. You know, I,
5: I for one, am a little worried about our culture at Fifth
2: Hundred. <laughs> yes, we have a. Well, it's a process. You know, it's a, it's a process. <laughs> did you, did you see our coach yesterday? By the way, say that. Uh, it doesn't bother him the criticism, but he kept every letter, negative letter he got at Western Michigan and then answered them when they started winning. but it doesn't bother him. He just kept the letters. So yeah, he's, uh, uh, that sounds
5: about right. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's uh, downloading our show on podcasts, which people can do now. Well, so thanks that,
2: for listening. That would be good. So what's the hockey thing you got going with the, We we've renamed the thing you got going with Judd. What's the hockey podcast now? Uh, well, we haven't renamed it yet.
5: So, uh, right now, it's still Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Okay. And, uh, it's been quite it's been quite an adventure watching the Wild so far this season.
2: I'm very worried about the coach. He looks terrible. He's you know, uh, as a guy who goes through life looking terrible, he looks terrible. He's I'm worried about him. I thought his head was going to blow off after
5: Boston <laughs> the other night. But, you know, you know the, the thing with the, with someone like Boudreaux, he's been through so many ups and downs with all the different places he's been. And But when I think you see him explode like that, I think it's a sign that he knows that this is going to be really tough to turn around. I mean, the, the injury to, to Parisi is really tough, not having Charlie Coyle. And just the trade that they made with Buffalo, I mean, I thought it was a bad trade then, but it now looks like a really, really bad trade because they've gotten just bodies back, and they gave away a top-four level defenseman and a guy who was one of their better even-strength scorers last year. So you gave away two valuable players on your playoff team, for two guys who have contributed almost nothing. And I think if you were to go back and do that again, maybe you would have tried to trade for a prospect, even if it's not a great prospect, but somebody who might contribute in the future because Foligno and Ennis have given them almost nothing.
2: All right, Matthew. Uh, you know, uh, try to control your excitement here, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. You'll be, be quarterbacking <laughs> soon. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thanks, Pat. All right, Matthew Collar, you can uh, read his stuff at uh, 1500ESPN.com. And if you're a Teddy guy, Matthew also, and he studies films. I just kind of take the Generalville view that I know will agitate fans, but uh, he actually He watches studies. the All-22. Yeah, he does watch the All-22. Uh, so uh, uh, good for him. All right, we'll be back.
4: Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history.
2: Patrick? You kill two men, and then we stand around and, and watch it And while well, they f***ing score here. F***ing, you come to the bench like this, you're looking like this and not standing, outwork the f***ing guys. If you want it, don't just think you want it. Go out and f***ing want it. You got 20 f***ing minutes, you're down by one shot. Surely the we can deal with this. That was uh, Coach Boudreau. Oh my God! That was Coach Boudreau speaking to his Ducks, I believe, yes. when he was disappointed in their performance. Well, on this day in history, November 8 nineteen seventy-five, thanks to vintage Minnesota hockey for this note, uh, the Minnesota Fighting Saints uh, got rid of two of the Carlson brothers, Steve and Jeff. They sent them to the Johnstown Jets. And they called up their number one draft choice, Bruce Bruce Man, Uh, what year? You said seventy five. Nineteen seventy five. That was his pro debut. He'd been a you know he was a little phenom in junior hockey, the Toronto Marlboros. He had thirty eight goals in sixty one games, forty six goals in fifty three games, and sixty eight goals in sixty nine games for Toronto. And they somehow signed more. And and uh, I don't know who was with him then. They got him out on a lake out in White Bear Lake and got a couple of beers in him or something <laughs> and got him to agree to come here instead of going to the NHL, Boudreaux. Uh, but uh, he would made his debut as a player. He played 30 games for the Saints, had three goals and six assists. And uh, I'm not sure. if again, I think that was which version of the Saints. I'm not sure. But uh, that was it. Uh, by the next year, he had uh, they'd probably folded. That was one of they the didn't, Yeah, team. they didn't. The Saints, they'd folded twice. They folded, and then they came back. And then, but in fact,
1: Boudreaux, on his introductory press conference, said, you know, a couple of his checks didn't even clear. Well, that's because he wasn't fast enough. <laughs> uh,
2: you had to be quick. The Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, he played there. Uh, played 15 games in Toronto uh, in uh 6, 77 40 games in seventy seven seventy eight. 26. He didn't play that much in the NHL, though. He played off and on. He played 141 games in the NHL, had 28 goals. But, uh, And this day in history, he became a St. Paul Saint.